You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus essential plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Love and connection. In this podcast, Eckhart meets with an international audience answering such questions as, are love and consciousness the same thing? Why do our egos need to define the people in our lives as other? He also addresses a topic that many parents struggle with, navigating screen time with children and the overwhelming impact of technology. Eckhart says, we can help our children by becoming more conscious parents. So these are questions that people who are not physically present have submitted. Could the word consciousness be replaced with the word love to describe the essence being pointed to? Are they one and the same? Of course, you have heard the phrase, God is love. It's a very well-known phrase. To some extent, it's a question of how you choose to use words, semantics, language. The way I use it is slightly different. Love is the recognition of oneness from the dimension of duality. So you are in this dimension of duality, multiplicity, and from there you recognize your oneness with ultimately all life. So that act of recognition I would call love, and this is not just a mental thing, it's a, an energetic thing, because you realize your essential oneness with other humans, other life forms, the totality, and more, most importantly, the unmanifested. Love thy neighbor as yourself is a recognition it's not something that you should be doing. It's something that naturally happens when you are connected with yourself. You remember what Pythagoras said? Humans are disconnected from themselves. That's why they meet, they run around meeting sorrow after sorrow. Why? Because they are disconnected from themselves. And we know what that means, not just intellectually, but also we know it experientially because you have been there, I have been there. To some extent, you may still occasionally be there in your daily life, but you also have realized, even if it's just occasional glimpses, but probably more, 
you have realized what it means to be connected with yourself. So you have disconnected, connected. And when you are connected with yourself, which is the essence identity, then you look at another human being and you can sense their presence through your own and as your own. You are less interested, this is an important fact, you are less interested in what makes up their personality. Yes, you see it, but it doesn't absorb your interest that much. You see it, and that means things like that the ego otherwise enjoys gossiping about other people, telling dramatic stories of what happened, what somebody did or failed to do and tell it to others. You know what he did? And then he said to me, and then I said, how dare you do this? And he, and he complained again, he just doesn't see it. What's wrong with him? People love these stories. And they think about them, they retell them, and what others did, failed to do, and usually the implication is that the person telling the story is in some way superior to the person the story is being told about, obviously, because you are judging continuously the other as lacking or not good enough or being a perpetrator of something, behavior. So there's an enormous interest in what, what the others are doing, what, what's their intention. And all that fascinates people when they are not connected with their the essence, because then they, the, the surface phenomena are so fascinating. <laughs> when you connect, connect with the essence of who you are and you sense the essence in the other, then that which is not the essence in the other becomes a little, almost a little bit boring. So the, the human stories that others are so fascinated by become a little bit boring. And when people come to you and talk to you about them, you go, okay. <laughs> and you know what he said then? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you. And you'll never guess what I said then. I, I said. And of course, I'm always the hero in the story, the one who is morally or in some other way superior to the people I'm talking about. And this kind of discourse, this kind of conversation strengthens continuously the false self in you, the ego. <laughs> because the ego strengthens itself by emphasizing the otherness of others. It loves to make the other more other, as other as possible. <laughs> and then it gets stronger. Or you can take a whole group of people and make this group of people completely other. You can take a whole nation and make the people of that nation into the other a whole religion, and there's no need anymore to emphasize the otherness of others. In fact, 
as you sense the, the other person's presence, the person isn't really other anymore. One could almost then say there are no others. Is this the same consciousness that inhabits every human, every life form? The same consciousness inhabits you. There's one being, one could almost say, that inhabits everyone. There's one being that experiences itself in the disguise of a person. A little role it adopts, a little part it plays. All the world is a stage and all the men and women merely players. Somewhere in Shakespeare, I believe. And that's an amazing, so there's one consciousness underlying all phenomena and the consciousness incarnates into forms, temporary forms, fleeting forms. When you see the fleetingness of all human forms, then the possibility arises for you to sense that which underlies the human form, your form, which is the one, the being, the one being, beingness or being. So you love your neighbor as yourself and you recognize your neighbor as essentially the same as you, essentially. On the surface there are many, many differences. On the surface, humans are very different. You can't say that all humans are equal. No, obviously not. Humans are unequal both in their physical makeup, intelligence, level of awareness, level of energy available to them, life energy, all kinds of things. And Einstein had an interesting statement. He said, the true value of a human being is determined by the degree to which he or she is free of the self. He had some amazing statements. If he had not become a scientist, he would have become a spiritual teacher. No, but let's look at that statement. The true value of a human being is determined by the degree to which he or she is free of the self. Now, what, what are you actually saying, not every, if, if I were talking to Einstein, are you actually saying that not every human being is of the same value? Because that statement seems to imply that not every human being has the same value. So there's an implication there. In their essential nature, all humans are the same, the consciousness. But the degree to which this consciousness expresses itself in their outward form differs from human to human. So there's a huge range of levels of consciousness in humans, in different humans. So the degree to which the one consciousness is, that is the essence of every human the degree to which that manifests through this form, that creates the, dif the differences between people. Human beings are essentially one and the same, but on the surface there are huge differences, of course. But the important thing is to recognize the oneness, no matter 
where the other human being is that you are confronting, what is their level of consciousness, even to go beyond that. If the world as we see it is an illusion of the ego and all is massive hallucination of the mortal eye, how can I be grateful for my experiences? How can I be grateful for nature? How can I connect with my surroundings if at the end of the day it's all a massive lie? <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> I don't remember ever saying that, but I might have said this could be a dream, you don't know, or I might have said it's a little bit like a dream because everything disappears fairly quickly, just like a dream, but it's not correct to say all oh, this is total illusion, especially if you're still immersed in it, and it's just a statement, all one can say is that relative to the realization of consciousness itself, which is the timeless being, relative to that, the manifested world has a certain insubstantiality to it, but that doesn't mean you turn your back on it. It'll catch up with you. If you say, I'm not dealing with anything anymore because it's all just illusion. I'm not, I'm not having any of this. I'm doing nothing anymore. The world will catch up with you. It will challenge you. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. And the world has many beautiful things in it that are a reflection of that jewel within you that in Indian terminology, spiritual terminology, has a threefold characteristics of being, consciousness, and bliss or joy, and the Sanskrit terms are for that are satchitananda, you string them together as one word, but they consist of three words, sat is being, chit is consciousness, ananda is joy, they go together, the realization of consciousness is 
the realization of being and consciousness bliss as one single thing, three aspects of one single thing or rather no thing. And from there, you appreciate this world, you honor the things of this world and you see the beauty of this world, but you don't ex have expectations that this world cannot meet anymore. You don't have expectations to, to be totally satisfied by the things of this world. Whether the things of this world are other people or achievements or possessions or any attainments or experiences. You engage with the world, but the expectation of complete fulfillment, joy, whatever you want to call it, is no longer there. And that means your experience of this world, of the things of this world, is no longer a series of frustrations. Even though you might have your successes, and hopefully you do have a few successes in your life occasionally. But even that, if you cling to that, very often after a while the success is not that satisfying anymore or it becomes invalidated by another factor or the very thing that is your success now proves to present more difficulties than you've ever had before you succeeded. <laughs> All kinds of weird things happen that seem to be sabotaging, you're continuously sabotaging your search for ultimate fulfillment in this world. But if there is a self-seeking in it, if, if there's something longing for, some, there's a you that is longing to be satisfied or liberated or find some final completion of its sense of self through some kind of achievement or attainment or possession or whatever it is, or relationship, that's frustrating because the world does not operate in this way. It cannot supply those things. But once the expectation is gone, once the demand that you make, please make me happy, you are here to make me happy. That's very frustrating. Nobody can do that, not for long. And so the demand goes and then you can be okay with the way things are. You can still improve situations and so on, but in the present moment you're basically aligned with the present moment and it's always as it is. It already is the case, so you don't argue with the isness of things. So the world, when you don't expect something that it cannot give you, is actually not that bad. It's not such an unpleasant place. And relative to the realization of beingness, the world is, is only, only of relative importance. So otherwise, things assume an importance in your life, an overwhelming importance that they don't actually have. It's very rare that all these elements financial, relationship, health, career, living situation, that all these work beautifully together. You, you can strive for it, and when it happens for a while, it's fine, but know that it's not likely to last. So the disruption will come in again here or there, it has to. 
If it didn't, you wouldn't even evolve. You would not grow, you would not awaken. The world has a relative reality and is relatively important, but only one thing is of absolute importance, and that's realizing who or what you are. Then you can cope with the failures in your life, which, by the way, the, the places where you fail or where something so-called bad happens is always a great opportunity for spiritual awakening than the happy things. Your comfort zone is not usually where you awaken. When you become uncomfortable, then something happens. First you suffer and then potentially you awaken. Please address the subject of prayer. Where does it fit in and how is it done? Does it serve a purpose and can it be used to help others and the world? Many people who pray, they practice petitionary prayers. Please, please do this or don't do that. I don't see that as extremely helpful. Or If you are a child, then perhaps it's nice. I was brought up as a Catholic and I used petitionary prayer as a child and I lost interest in the church at about the age of 12 when my petitionary prayers were not answered. So I thought, obviously this is not working. There's one little hint at one, one certain type of prayer that Jesus talks about. If you pray for something, Jesus said, I'm going to use my own translation or paraphrase, feel that you already have it and it will be given to you. In those few words, he gives the secret of manifestation, which is to already sense that you have it. You don't want something that's not an effective manifestation technique. It comes out of fullness rather than out of a sense of lack. So please give me a nice place to live is not as effective as feeling that you already have this nice place to live. And you, the way you feel now, now is no different from the way to, you feel when you actually have the nice place to live. In other words, really, it connects you with being, the satisfying place to re realize that you are. And then you attach a certain image to this satisfying realization of your beingness you combine it with a mental image and the power of the beingness combines with a mental image and that is a blueprint for something to appear in the sense-perceived external world. And if you are aligned with the essence of yourself as consciousness, then it becomes much more powerful because that means that the, the consciousness operates through you to create something. Uh, the term that is sometimes used in contemporary spirituality is you become a co-creator with God, whatever, the one. You become a co-creator. There's a 
a vision that arises in your mind of what this could be your contribution. And then you can become a co-creator. And again, the way I put it now is very powerful. And it comes from a place of fullness. I have to emphasize, it does not come from a place of lack or neediness. You cannot manifest very well if you think you need something. <laughs> please, God, I need more money. I need, I need this, I need, please give me, give me is a statement, I don't have it. Jesus said, feel the same way as if you had it and it will be given to you. Now, how do you feel you need it? The essence of it is the, the realization of that alert, vitally alive stillness in you that is consciousness. Become aware of yourself as consciousness where everything is already there. There's nothing missing there. And if you do feel that something wants to be created, then you bring that mental image into that, that fulfilled place already. That's, that means you feel that exactly the same as you would if you had it. And that's a powerful way of to manifest something. It's a, it's a meditation. Make sure, though, that there is some realism also to that. Because there are still certain limitations that are due, perhaps, to your physical form. Don't imagine you're growing wings and you're starting to fly. It would be futile for me to attempt to manifest to win a gold medal in the next Olympic Games in some discipline except curling, perhaps. <laughs> I might be able to do that. So the goal is not based in illusion and in ego. People have an illusion of what they want to be, but I want to be a great musician. Okay. Are you ready for 10,000 hours of practice so that the vehicle becomes ready? And as you practice, you can also begin to, and hopefully the music you produce will add something beautiful and vital to everybody's life. And it's not just empty noise, which is not uncommon that people listen to and three months later nobody listens to it again. There's some other empty noise in the charts. So that's manifest. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends. 
Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Another prayer, kind of, if you want to call that prayer, is simply a prayer that consists of pointers towards your essential reality. So it's even just a few words. You can write your own, and you can use thought as signposts to point you in the correct direction. That is a kind of prayer, too. Regarding the topic of illness of the body, you write, surrender to the present moment, not to the idea of illness, only to the now. End of quote. I try, but not successfully, because I cannot understand the difference how not to surrender to the illness itself, but only to the present moment. I wrote somewhere, apparently, surrender to the present moment, not to the idea of illness. If you have an illness, yes, sometimes when I speak of accepting what is, which is, one could say, primordial spiritual practice, accepting the isness of this moment because you cannot argue with isness. <laughs> it is the case already. So when I say accept the isness of this moment, people think, well, if they are ill, they need to accept, let's say, whatever the illness may be, I need to accept that I have cancer, arthritis, heart disease, liver disease, whatever it is, I need to accept that, that I have this disease. No, that's not acceptance of the present moment, because that would be the acceptance of a thought form as yourself having this illness. So that's not acceptance of the present moment, it's a thought form that's created, and it's a narrative. I'm not denying, by the way, that you have this illness or that you shouldn't go to, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. I'm saying the illness manifests in this moment as either some disability or pain or discomfort. It manifests in some way, or it may not even manifest in this moment in any way. You just know that you have an illness, but at this moment it doesn't manifest. So it's important not to excessively dwell on the mental image of yourself being a sufferer of this or that illness, but focus on the present moment and whatever manifests internally or externally in this moment, you just, you accept it the way it is. I accept it the way it is. Then it, things get easier. If you accept the way it is at this moment, rather than continuously dwell in a mental image of illness, allow the illness to force you into the present moment more and more, especially a serious illness, allow it to, to be the motivating force 
that pushes your attention into the present moment. Because if you leave the present moment and you start thinking what might happen, you suffer a lot. I have met many examples of people for whom a the diagnosis of a fatal illness, which sometimes was a true diagnosis and sometimes actually wasn't and they became healed. So not every fatal diagnosis is actually true, but some are. But I have met people in whom the diagnosis of a fatal illness acted as an awakener and they became radiant because it pushed them into absolute presence. Because when you, you are diagnosed with a fatal illness, then it's like somebody takes time away from you. No more future. I'm, I'm taking away your future. It's very painful at first. Because you say, I haven't lived fully yet. I haven't completed my life. So many things I still want to do, but I won't be able to do. I haven't developed fully, depending on your age. I haven't developed fully. There's so much, so many experiences that I still want to have, but not having. This is awful, terrible. And so you suffer, and you suffer, and suffer. And at some point, you can't stand the suffering anymore. And then potentially, you surrender. Not to the idea that it's all useless and you're doomed. That's an idea again. No, you surrender just to what is. The isness of this moment is what's left. Then the whole egoic structure evaporates and the consciousness that you are emerges. And suddenly you don't need future anymore because the essence of anything that you could experience and could attain or could possess whatever is already here. The essence of all that is already here. Another thing is if you have an illness, not to continuously talk about it. That's important. Because that again could be connected with ego wanting to be more. You become more problematic and that's great. You can talk about it. Only talk about it when necessary. And don't think about it, cannot eliminate every thought of it, of course, but don't dwell mentally on that. Allow it to force you into the present moment. Often healing happens when people are absolutely present, but don't even expect it, but just be present. How harmful is it for humanity in general to have so much noise, in quotation marks, from the various screens that are continuously in our face assaulting our eyes and ears. It seems this bombardment of images has rapidly quickened and has become ubiquitous while flooding our senses at every turn. The questioner is correct. It's terrible. <laughs> and you have to limit the time you spend on it. And be very alert to see if you've become addicted or not. What effect that will have on subsequent generations that now grow up with it, already, already as little children, we cannot predict. It could have a disastrous effect, 
if it disables people, they can no longer communicate with true human beings, the attention span gets shorter and shorter because one image follows another. The mind is continuously cluttered. It was already cluttered before we de developed these devices, but now we have the devices that add an enormous amount of continuous clutter to your mind, thought input, most of it useless, one clutter after another. There used to be people when they were in waiting rooms, at doctors' waiting rooms or other places, or cafes, you would sometimes see people, they were just sitting there, waiting. Nowadays, it's very unlikely that you see anybody just sitting somewhere waiting. They're all on their devices. For what reason? We don't know. You cannot experience yourself anymore. It, it takes you continuously out of yourself. You're completely unaware of what happens within. So this is a technology that in itself, no technology is good or bad, in itself is neutral, but we cannot predict what effect this will have on the generation that is growing up with it now, has already grown up with it. Can they still create anything? If you can't focus for long, how can creativity move through you if you cannot be still, focus attention, focus attention within, and then allow the intelligence to operate through you? If you can't do that anymore, there's nothing new will be created. So with your children, if you have children, you have to restrict the time that they spend with the devices. It won't be easy, but all the people who work in the guys in Silicon Valley who develop these things, they all are aware of the potential hazards and many of them restrict their children's use of these devices. Every age has its new challenges. There's no end to the challenges. But we'll survive this one too. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Hi again. I myself is a mother of two wonderful boys. My youngest is 14 years old. I love them all with all my heart and my youngest is really uh, keep me challenged every day. The internet and uh, you know, playstations and uh, mobile phones and so on so on. So my question is really when I see my boy he is obsessed with the, these things. Should I just accept this because I find myself struggle to bring him out to the life because it seems like he is trying to escape the now all the time. Yes. And that's hard to look at. But if you can say something more about being a parent, how do we be a parent and see the, the things that our children is challenged with? How do we help them most? Right, yes. 
when did he start getting drawn into these uh, gadgets and devices? Many years ago, yes. And you yourself, do you also use them a lot, like the internet and so on? Or? Uh, in my work, I do. Yeah, but mm. not at home uh, so much. I, yeah. I work a lot home, Yeah. too. So, uh, yes, yeah. he, he sees me doing it, yes. Before he reached this teenage stage, were you able to some extent to control the t amounts of time he spent with the gadgets? Yes, more than now, because I could say, yes. this is it for today. Yes. And he did what I said, but now in this age, <laughs> yes. they do. And the ego is growing a lot. Yes, yes. I think they, it does that in this age. And, and so it's more and more difficult to talk behind the ego. Yes. And reach him there. Yes, it's a huge challenge. Mm. I don't have a, a clear answer for it, what to do, but if you can offer occasionally other activities, perhaps that you do together with you and him or the family together, that do not involve these gadgets, you could do uh, perhaps twice a week, come up with a creative uh, idea what, what you can do as a family. And the, again, not many families these days do that anymore. But set that time apart so that you can engage in that. Somehow encourage him, perhaps by taking him, or to, to have some contact with the natural world, with nature go on hikes, sports activities might help too, but having some contact with nature could act as a counterbalance the addictive nature, the hypnotic effect of these gadgets as much as possible if you can think of ways in which you get him back into nature. But I will have to force him. Well, at this time you still have some influence, but when, the, when he's 16, 17, then this, you gradually have to let go more and more. And if he continues, then you will have fulfilled your function for as long as you can to help him not become totally addicted, offer him other ways of placing his attention. And nature is the one thing, if the, a human being is deprived of contact with nature, which would, by the way, include contact with an animal. Do you have dogs or cats? Yes, both. Yeah. Does he relate to the dog? He did. And now, I mean, he has to walk the dog every day, but then he's looking at his mobile phone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's a huge problem for all youngsters, even for adults, but even more so for youngsters. We have no idea at this stage, and you can't stop it anymore, but I would recommend for parents of young children to have a certain structure in your life. Perhaps you had that until he reached his teenage years to have a certain structure in your home environment that, that needs to be adhered to clearly so that there are periods when they cannot use these things mm. as long as you can. Now, gradually, you're beginning to lose control. You still have a little bit of control now, but with every year that passes, you have less control. Mm. At some point, of course, in three years' time, you have to kind of let go completely, 
and the rest is up to him. You have done your best already. You have provided certain structures in the home environment in his younger years. So he did not get totally absorbed by it as they do in some families. And now you see the limits of your control. There's still things you can do even now. And then in two or three years time, whenever it is, then you have to allow him to find out for himself and allow him to experience eventually the suffering that may come with that. Every generation gets challenged again by various things. As a parent, the transition from needing to protect your child and able to allow the child to find their own way and go through their own suffering, that's the transitional point that you're going to reach soon or are beginning to reach. So right now, as I said, you still have a little bit of influence, declining influence, but it's still there. So if you can think of activities think to encourage him to explore nature, come into actual physical contact with nature, that would be a healing thing for him. So I think the hard thing is to know when to work with the responsibility and to accept the moment as it is, right. really. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly, yes. But well, I we, we talked about that. I, I mean, we talked about this being challenged every day and yes. staying in the presence and so on. I think it is a very much challenging with children. Yes, huge challenge. Mm. Yeah, but a great opportunity too for yes. you. Often there have been quite a few questions here also on asked uh, written questions about bringing up children consciously and what's the main main thing to do to bring up children consciously what what do we do the main thing is your own state of consciousness at home that's always your main teaching there's often a discrepancy between what parents teach their children verbally and how they behave at home and their state of consciousness and the children know that, they can feel that, that basically parents are often hypocritical, they demand certain things from their children, but they themselves don't do it. <laughs> so the state of consciousness that you are predominantly in at home is the main teaching. I mentioned in A New Earth to be able to, for example, give your fullest attention to your child when you're listening to the child and not always equate attention with some kind of thing that they either should be doing or should not be doing. That's how many parents relate to their children. Whenever they give attention, they say, don't do this or you should, do, should be doing that. The entire home environment seems to consist of either stopping to do something or doing something that they're not doing. And that's the only way attention flows out to the child. There's a lack of presence, a lack of the acknowledgement of the being of the child. There's the entire household is dominated by doing. And in the doing, which includes the mental doing and, and the physical doing, in the doing, the being is completely neglected. It's never acknowledged. The presence of the child is never fully acknowledged. The child is not seen, really, by the parent. 
And deep down, the child can feel, can sense that something essential is missing. And what arises then in the child is a, a discomfort, a sense of lack, and even some anger sometimes towards the parents, which often comes out when they reach teenage years. For some seemingly inexplicable reason, the teenager becomes angry with the parents. And they say, what happened to this? How can he turn into this monster? And it is often the case, now don't blame yourself, but it's, it's often the case that for years, the child's being felt unacknowledged. And basically that means the child felt not seen by the parent. And then that is almost to be deprived to be, to be deprived of real lovingness, which is attention, and not the conditional love that is usually attached to the doing or the not doing. And, and that is missing, and that's a vital thing that really brings about a lot of conflict between the child and the parent, especially as they grow, grow into their teenage years. Can you be fully yourself? Can you be in your essence as much as possible when you relate to the child? That includes periods when you're not talking about what he or she should be doing or should not be doing, but just giving your fullest attention. You look or you listen to what they have to say, or you look or you're asking questions, and then you listen. And sometimes it may just be wordless attention, too, for brief moments, just just looking. And that changes, that brings in a different, a different energy field into the home environment. And that's the main teaching. Everything else is secondary. What you say to the child and so on is all secondary. Although there are things you can say that are helpful, too. I, I've spoken a few times about the pain body in children when it begins to manifest, to bring some attention to the child's pain body after it's happened. Some children have temper tantrums or go sulking and withdraw. So children already experience pain body attacks, some more acutely than others. And so I recommend that after it has subsided, perhaps the next day or a few hours later, you say, what did you feel? What was that that came up when you started screaming? What did it feel like? Even perhaps in, ask a child to draw a picture of what this thing is, because painting a picture of it uh, creates some awareness and creates some space around it. And, and then the next time it comes up, you won't be able to stop it, but you can say, oh, there it is again, isn't it? It's so it, you're not trying to stop the pain body, you're trying to help the, the child to become aware of it. And you can start with that already when they're four years old, five years old. So that is very helpful. It's an amazing challenge bringing up children. And every parent makes mistakes, that's inevitable. But at least your son is lucky to have you because you are endeavoring to bring him up consciously. And so and that's a new thing that's coming in. There are more humans now who are actually, they may not always succeed, but they are becoming conscious parents. And that is a wonderful thing. In my generation, when I was a child, 
conscious parent was unheard of. Nobody had conscious parents. Well, at least nobody I knew. All the parents were very unconscious, totally dominated by ego. They just, the same upbringing that they experienced, they inflicted on their children. There was no change whatsoever. And so conscious parent is something relatively recent, although there may have been exceptions, of course, in the past too, there are always exceptions. I just never met them. And certainly my parents were not conscious, they were just as unconscious as everybody else, trapped in their own ego, and there was constant dysfunction, and it was not a pleasant environment, and there's nobody to blame. That was the way they brought me up, corresponded to their state of consciousness, that's all. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.